What is going on, everybody? Thank you very much for tuning in today to The Drop-In. My name is Gerald Valley, and you know, this show continues to progress. Each episode continues to bring a little bit something different to the table, all with one goal. One goal to motivate you to get off your damn couch and make life happen. If you have seen past episodes of of our show, you have seen some of the most amazing guests. Trevor Staples from the Tony Hawk Foundation stopped by to visit with us for an hour, and his story is awesome. I mean, from, from punk rock skateboarder drummer to educator to working for the Hawk Foundation, you can't write that up. You really can't. When you are going after your passion, when you are passionate about living life, doors open. And every one of the guests on my show exemplifies that. Uh, Incredibly exemplifies that. Kurt A. David, I mean, uh, he played basketball in Europe and turned that into helping athletes after they retire to writing a book and a TV show. I mean... uh, You know, that's what this show is about. That's what I want to inspire you to do is follow your passion because you never know what doors are open and you never know where you're going to go. You just go after it and give it everything you've got. My life is is, is a testament of that. Every day I wake up, every day of my life is a bonus and I try to take advantage of every opportunity. This being one of those opportunities, being able to sit here in the NRM studios and come to you through these airwaves across the world is is just amazing to me. You know, if you listen to the last uh, show, you heard Mr. Benzman. I still call him Mr. Benzman. That's the way I was brought up. He's like, you call me Paul. No, I call you Mr. Benzman because that's how I was brought up. He talked about uh, his entrepreneurial uh, background from going back to the 80s. I talked about volunteering at TEDx Detroit, handing out one business card, never knowing what was going to come of that. And now we fast forward eight months and look at this logo behind me. That, I, I, I couldn't dream that up. And that's what your life holds for you. You cannot begin to predict the doors that'll open, the paths you'll be able to go down, and, and the experiences you get to have as you live with passion and with drive, and you know you will succeed. And it, it's just, it's, it's been awesome for me. Each guest brings a little something different to the table, a, a little different flavor. J.R. Adams, I mean, J.R. Adams, dude grew up downriver. He's as big as a freaking house. And he starts jumping off beds and doing flips and stuff, gets into wrestling. He's with The Undertaker at WrestleMania, breaks his back. He breaks his back and says, hmm, maybe I'll uh, slow it down. I'll be a Hollywood stuntman. Like, <laughs> that's slowing it down. And, and, and it just goes on from there. So make sure to tune into all these past episodes because it, it, it has really been phenomenal. And part of the reason we get to continue doing these shows is through our awesome sponsors. We have a great sponsor to thank today. And I, I just want to thank them so much for sponsoring our show. Play at the Plate is just amazing. I mean, it, it it exemplifies following your passion, no matter how far you take it, because they offer an opportunity to play at a classic baseball field, and that's America's game. There's so many people out there who are passionate about it, and when you get to go out and experience that, it's, it's almost like, okay, it's like getting a hole-in-one in golf or getting a 300-game in bowling. When you get to visit the folks that play at the plate, it's, it's a great adult uh, sports experience in a historic setting.
Would you like to play some baseball? Do you still dream of playing on a major league field, experiencing the magic of places like Field of Dreams? For 15 years, Play at the Plate has been making dreams come true. Play at the Plate offers you the chance to play ball. Join us for a lifetime experience. Go to playattheplate.org or call Scott Green at 631-255-4475. That's 631-255-4475. You see that. You see that. If baseball is your thing, make sure to contact Play at the Plate because you will. it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It really is. And right now, if you are a skateboarder in southeastern Michigan, we have our own versions of Play at the Plate going up everywhere right now. Tony Hawk was in town this past weekend, and he was visiting downtown Detroit. He will eventually be here with us in the NRM studios, maybe in June, possibly late August, but he will be here. Anyway, if you are a skateboarder right now, the Hawk Foundation, along with the Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Foundation, has put up a bunch of money, 20 quarter million dollar matching grants to build cement skate parks around southeastern Michigan and western New York. I am part of Drop-In Down River Crew, which is in Wyandotte, Down River. We, are, we already got the grant. And now we're in fundraiser mode, but they're going up everywhere. Chandler Park's getting one. Ferndale, they're pouring concrete right now. And all these cities are within about a half hour of Detroit. They are pouring concrete everywhere. Right downtown, next to the Ambassador Bridge, we have this giant bridge in Detroit. You cross over, you could really run across it in about 20 minutes, 15 minutes, depending on who you are. Might be an hour, depending if you want to walk it, but you would already be in Canada. We have this bridge, and the shadow of that bridge is... It, it, right across our brand new skate park, right on the water. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. I stopped there, by there this weekend to check it out, and it is a freaking, it, it has something for everybody. And it opens officially Go Skateboarding Weekend, the weekend of June 21st. Hawk will be there, ribbon cutting, all that kind of stuff. So if you're in the southeastern Michigan area, the 22nd of June, I believe, is the official grand opening of Riverside Park, and it is going to be a blow. Out. If you actually want to skate, you might not want to pick that day because I'll bet you the crash up derby factor is going to be ridiculous. There's going to be thousands of people there. It's going to be nuts. So maybe wait a week or two or three years because I think this park is going to be very busy and a lot of people are going to visit that park on a regular basis. So it's like our version of Play at the Plate. What Our sponsors are awesome and they really remind me that each day that I I personally live, I am living like play at the plate. That's really the the subject of this whole opening. You know, I, I talk about being here in the studios and I might start crying because it's unreal to me that where I'm at in my life and you can do the exact same things. The exact same things with your life. It, it's not that hard. You find what you're passionate about and you go after it. If you love playing guitar, you know what? You may not end up selling out arenas, but you follow your passion. You might end up being an agent. You might end up designing guitars for Fender. You'll end up doing something in that industry because you love it. People can recognize that from area codes away. When you are passionate about what you do, Nobody can take that away from you. Nobody. And you will live exactly the way you imagine it to be. And it, 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 it's awesome. And I get excited about it. I get excited about it because every day is a new little thing, a new little, little um, door opening, letting me know 
that I'm doing okay. And the same things will happen for you. When you live passionately, when you live with drive, it's incredible. And, and you can't predict it. You can't predict the excitement. It is really phenomenal. And so, with that, I want to get into my new guest. My guest today is a gentleman, you know, I met him a few months back, and he, we immediately clicked. We immediately, we didn't even know each other. We met at the skate park. He was showing up to do some filming, and immediately there was energy there. There was there was some kind of simpatico, weird thing going on. But that happens in the skateboard world. When you, again, when you're passionate about things and you meet like-minded individuals, there's something special that happens. And with Corey, that did happen. We shot some video. He saw me separate my elbow. It was pretty crazy because it was just hanging there, and then it went back into play. And, and we just ended up cracking up about it, you know? And this is the first time I met him. And so he's looking at me like, dude, your elbow just popped out of place and you're cracking jokes about it. And it, it wasn't even an incident. And that was our first meeting. And he's like, I think we have enough footage. But we started talking about different things. I noticed some really cool things that we're going to talk about uh, throughout this interview about his upbringing and, and, and some of the, the path uh, that he had to come up with to get to where he's at. And I'm like, man, you'd be a great guest on the show, dude. And he said, I'd love to. So without too much more, I want to introduce you all to my man, Corey Stewart. What's up, brother? What's up? What's up, man? Blessed to be here. Blessed. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Like, like, well, like you said, like it was simpatico right off the bat. Uh, the one thing, though, I'm kind of upset that I didn't do or what I did do was I set the camera down when you fell and I really should have done my due diligence and gotten that all on film for you but next time next time well we didn't really know how serious it was and the arm was sort of hanging there and I said you know I think uh, uh, this thing's out of joint it looked like mashed potatoes it was weird and I'm like I think it's out of joint and then I stood up and I'm like I don't know it it, it works Seemed again totally fine afterwards <laughs> I was like a ma- magician's trick or something <laughs> first time it ever happened and, and we got what we needed that that day, mm-hmm. but uh, it was it was an immediate um, uh, like a, a brotherhood like yeah. that. Yeah. Like it was instant, and you uh, hadn't been around the skateboard world in a minute, mm-hmm. and you're like, man. I need to get a new deck. Yep. I need to get back mm-hmm. on this, yep. you know? So, uh, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to be thank here with us today. Um, I, I really want to get right into it. I want to start with where you grew up, how how, how you you came into uh, where you're at today. Yeah. So, where, where'd you start at? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Kalamazoo. I'm all the way from the other side of the state where it's a little bit colder and there's more snow over there. But uh, So, I was big into snowboarding and skateboarding. But, uh, yeah, I grew up in Kalamazoo for 29 years of my life. Uh, went to Catholic school my whole entire life, and that kind of shaped and molded me. Uh, I have older siblings who kind of picked on me and, like, you know, you know, older sibling stuff shaped and molded me. Um, growing up, it was a little bit different over in Kalamazoo just because, you know, I, I'm adopted, so, uh, like, I didn't, you know, have a lot of friends who were ethnic or have anything like that. Predominantly all white uh, school and everything, you know, which was fine. Was I made a lot of friends, but I always hung out with like the the kind of the outsiders, the more um, the more people who were kind of just like doing the other things, and that's what got me into skateboarding. Was one day, you know, my cousin came over and he had you know a brand new blind deck, and it was like you know the Blind Reaper and like you know all this everything, and I was like, oh my gosh, was that so cool? And so. 
he like let me bar- borrow it, and I remember getting on it and slipping right out as soon as I stepped on it, and was like, "This is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life." <laughs> and obviously, I didn't do it for the rest of my life, but I got to meet a lot of friends at the skate park, and the skate park really kind of honed into who I could trust in 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 my life growing up, especially during high school. It was always kind of an awkward time for me. I was I was a little bit more shy than I am now. I didn't have a you know too many friends, but the friends I had were super close. Um, broke my arm at you know in two different places, snapped it in half. Um, learned how to kickflip my first six set set when it was I was like seventeen. Um and that's true, Emmanuel, if you're watching. That's that's true. He he says I didn't do it, but I, I landed and rode away. So you, you know it's interesting, Corey, because you bring up when you started skating mm-hmm. and the connection you had with the skateboard yeah. world. We had a guest on the show, um and the skateboard lawyer, if you want to look him up at the skateboard lawyer, uh, Jordan Zupke was on here, yeah. and he said the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. He started skating around 10 or 11, and he talked about skating a parking structure. And his words, and I, I always get goosebumps. If it, I get goosebumps all the time. They're there, if you can see them. <laughs> but, and he said his life really did not start, in his mind, until that time when he started riding a skateboard, yeah. and you sort of said the same thing. It's true. It's like it's all of a sudden like you know you you're accepted in the skateboard community as whoever you are. You yeah, obviously you get those skateboarders who think that they're better than everybody, and they run the park, and they won't let you do your run because you know you're not doing exactly what they're doing. But that's going to be with everything. But most of the time, skateboarders we have this with understanding. You you land a trick. Everybody in the park got your back if they're watching. You're slapping, you know, your tails on the ground. You're slap, you know, slapping the coping. You know, you you you're all day sweating and bleeding from, you know, every limb. And skateboarders can kind of see how much effort there has to go into it. And it it's not it I wouldn't call it a team sport, but really there is like a team there when you're at the park with everybody. It's a lot about camaraderie, yeah. I think. You know, and, and with skateboarding, you know, I, I see it today and this translates going back three decades. You know, when I started it was an instant brotherhood. Mm-hmm. At the time you couldn't find vans in the in the malls, you couldn't find the punk rock T shirts. So right. if you saw somebody with that stuff, instant brotherhood. Yeah. And the community was very accepting. Yeah. Now, with your generation, same kind of thing. You mm-hmm. know, I'm a, I'm a little bit older, but it's the same kind of camaraderie. I have a friend of mine named Chad Steele, and he was a, a college football standout. Yeah. He just started skating with me about a year and a half ago, and he talks about that. This dude's buff. He's a big dude. He's a football player, uh-huh. and he started skating. He can carve a bowl. He can he can drop in on some things, and he and he just talks about how accepting the community is. is because he's putting it out there and it doesn't matter uh, really if somebody's doing a mctwist you know somebody's jumping up in the air 10 foot mm-hmm. and spinning around 540 yeah. or somebody's learning to drop in for the same time yeah it's the same cheer it is it's always the same cheer and that's what kind of got me going in the community is because it felt you felt i felt like i was at home most of the time when i was at at the skate park and my mom would get mad at me because i'd spend hours there and not tell her that i was there another thing about being an angsty skateboarding teenager you know especially when it was starting to come up too cuz you know that was before like the viva la bams and 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 the tony hawk pro skaters and and all these other stuff where it was this kind of cool club that you got to be a part of and then when you were out and like the people who didn't skateboard saw you do 
a trick or something, they're like, whoa, what did you just do? So it's kind of like you your status went up a little bit in a way, even though status, you know, obviously doesn't matter in in life, but you got this sense of like being accepted in the world. And I think that's what I think a lot of skateboarders kind of go through is being able to land a trick and accept and be accepted that you did that or you know whatever you're a novice or if you're you know you're super advanced or you're professional or whatever i mean it's kind of changed over the years what i've noticed with professional skateboarding a lot of people aren't getting sponsorships like they used to and making a whole bunch of money you know but obviously you're seeing it on espn now you're seeing a lot of uh, skateboarders you know being relevant and everything i mean rob dyrdek made a whole world out of things but for me growing up it was always just being having a sense of a place to go when I needed to clear my head, when I needed to get anger out. Like I could show every type of emotion when skateboarding. Like I couldn't do that when I was like playing like little league or when I was doing football or whatever anything like that, which lasted only like a couple of weeks for each. But with skateboarding it was like you could be you I was able to just show every type of emotion. If I didn't land a trick right away, I'd get Pissed. I mean, I'd be angry. I'd be throwing my board up against walls. I mean, I, there's. I think I've broken more boards just because I was angry and I didn't land the trick than actually landing the trick and the board snapping. So. Well, and you bring up Rob Dyrdek, and and this is how conversations end up working on this show. You know, Rob Dyrdek is from Ohio, and uh, we, uh, Corey, is from Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. I used to skate Keizu Skate Zoo all the time. It's a great park. I was about 16, so we were talking 88, 89, mm-hmm. and Alien Workshop's very first demo. Alien Workshop is a board company that started in Xenia, Ohio. Their first demo was at Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. Neil Blender was there. Rob Dyrdek was there. Dwayne Petrie was there. We drove all the way from Detroit to be there, and um, I ended up competing against Dyrdek throughout my amateur career, and uh, that was his the first demo for the workshop. So it was it was quite crazy because at the time I didn't even think twice about it you know right. I grabbed my bag from underneath Neil Blender I'm like oh hey what's Shoot, up yeah. Neil you know <laughs> and Dirtex ripping and everybody's yeah. having a good time and he ends up doing great things you mm-hmm. know he, he good great skateboarder but also a great marketer and mm-hmm. he's doing some really great things for skateboarding in Ohio with yeah. the DC Plaza mm-hmm. and different things that he's doing that are bigger than just skateboarding yeah. it has become such mainstream we're in the the 2020 Olympics um, this year and or next year, excuse me, and it's going to be incredible because the rippers from Brazil, China, Russia, the states—it's going to be really phenomenal. My money is on the Brazilians because those guys crush yeah. it. Well, they just have really good architecture that like you can skate all the time down there. <laughs> Freaking fearless, dude! Oh yeah, fearless. Uh-huh. Um, but back to Kalamazoo. So, yeah. did you skate the Portage Park? Did you skate Kazoo Skate? I was at Skate Zoo all the time. So you know Ferguson? Oh, Fergie, yeah, dude, yeah, uh, yeah. We. Uh, Started, you know, I was young during that time, so I was a little shy. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, snaking people on runs. I wasn't, I wasn't really even trying to. I was kind of hidden off in the corner of the park, until one day, like a group of guys who were just, you know, messing around over at the uh, at the at the spine, you know, were just kind of going back and forth, and I was kind of skating just a little lip set over, like off to the left, and. Um, just trying to learn how to get like my drop-ins great to get good speed and then trying to just like ollie up this little tiny gap or whatever. And they could see that I was struggling. It was just me and a friend and a couple of and those guys skating over there. And they could see I was struggling and I smashed hard. Like I my my 
truck like caught an edge and I just spun out and landed like hard and I was like wheezing getting up and all the dudes over there like everybody even Ferguson like he just like, they all came over and were like dude are you okay that was the worst slam ever I was like nope I'm totally fine I got up and I was just like don't cry Corey whatever you do don't cry <laughs> and these guys and they were like totally cool and then one of the dudes that was over there just like he came over and was like, "Dude, you 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 know, you're just kind of leaning forward a little bit too much on the board." And it was like immediate, like just instant, like connection. Like didn't even care. Like he stopped doing what he was doing, and he was like shredding over off the, off the spine and everything. And he just came over and he spent like half an hour with me, just teaching me how to like do a proper like you know ollie up a, a transition and everything. And see, that's that's still true to this day. Yeah. You know, the skateboard community really does help each other each step of the way because everybody's been there everybody mm -hmm. has, has learned had to learn how to ollie had to learn how to drop in on some form of transition at yeah. a certain point and we we bring up ferguson bill ferguson in the 80s was one of those guys. Mm -hmm. He's from Michigan. He skated for Losey. He he skated for Schmidt Stick, the biggest companies out there. Were you around when Piranha Alley was still when he still had Piranha Alley? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Piranha Alley was his shop mm -hmm. and then he started the Skate Zoo. Skate Zoo has has been it may be I'm going to do some research and we might even get Ferg on this show, but I think it is the oldest indoor park maybe in the United States, but I know for sure in the Midwest. Yeah. Somehow he is taken back bottles, done whatever he had mm -hmm. to do to go through the ups and downs of skateboarding and kept that place alive. Yeah. And Ferg is a legend. He is. He really is. Next week, we have Bill Toko on this show, and Toko in, came up with Ferg skating in really? the summer. And Toko is a little younger than Ferg, mm -hmm. but... Um, they all grew up together skating yeah. these different ramps, and we're going to talk about it a lot next week because Ferg, Ferg, Toko, Danforth, Michigan has been very lucky very. with the skate uh, royalty, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, that we've been blessed with and to be inspired by. I've been inspired by each one of those guys at a certain point in my career and my life. I mean, Danforth still, to this day, inspires me, and it, it's just awesome. But skateboarding is still exactly how you explained it. I mean, we're going to see it at Riverside Park. We're mm -hmm. going to see it dropping down river. We're going to see it all over the community. And even last year, I don't know if um, if you were able to make it down to the Fisher Building, but we have a great giant building in Detroit. I mean, one of the most beautiful architecture buildings of, of the last hundred years. And a gentleman from New York brought a half pipe into Detroit for that reason. Mm -hmm. And the reason was lost because everybody was talking about this half pipe and skateboarding. But the real reason was he saw his daughter get exactly the same reaction you got yeah. when she went to a skate park in New York. And he said, why can't we take that message? Yeah to bigger cities, yeah. you know? And I do think that, like, as you were coming up mm -hmm. and going through that, it teaches you some rad life lessons totally moving does. forward, yeah. you know? Helping other people, helping mm -hmm. out, being creative. And, and you really, uh, you've turned that into a, a, a pretty amazing film career and yep. moving towards mm -hmm. that. Can we talk about that transition yeah, a little sure. bit? Yeah, so, um, you know, after a while, you know, uh, life hits you, and you kind of, at least for me, I, I had to step away from the board a little bit after breaking my arm and not really getting the full mobility and then parties and all this other stuff in college happening. And it was like, it was like nobody was really doing it anymore, and we were just kind of more concerned about also work and all this other stuff. So it was just like there was never really time. It was either you wanted to party with your friends after like high school, 
and then work and then just continue that like kind of transition. So the board was never, I'm sad to say, it kind of just kind of phased out in my life. Um, and then after a while, I started to realize I, I worked in restaurants my whole entire life. I worked from basically um, you know, a dishwasher all the way up to a line cook and then all the way up to a bar manager and then a bar, you know, bartender and did that whole thing for the rest of my life and just realized I can't do this because getting out at two, three o'clock in the morning every night is just killing me, you know, doing it six days a week. My back's killing me. My feet are killing me. I smell like pine saw and like <laughs> you know, you know, the freaking shrimp from like last night's dinner service. And it was like, okay, Dad, I'm ready to take on a big job. And I started working for the family company, which is in paper packaging. We are manufacturer out of Southwest Michigan, and I started getting into sales. And he kind of showed me the ropes. And then all of a sudden, I woke up one day and I was like, I'm in a suit and tie. What just happened? To, what just happened to my DC shoes? What just happened to my independent trucks and you know and and you know a terrible grip tape job? What happened to that? And I don't know where it happened. Like I can't look back and think of that exact day where I transitioned from me being able to be free and like do my thing and like have fun to like getting this serious corporate job life turn, yeah life gets life in the way man hit me in the face and it hit me so hard that like at 28 i was thinking to myself i can't do this for the rest of my life i can't sit here and just fade out like everybody else and not be happy and then all of a sudden i have a kid around my you know my arm and that happened all of a sudden and like I, I started having almost like a, a, a quarter-life crisis at that time. So I immediately, one day at work, I just kind of secretly Googled film school. Because I was like, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? Well, you don't know how to play any you know, instrument, and you can barely sing. So you know, being a rock star is out. You know? <laughs> so it immediately became like, you're, you love film. You've worked with cameras before. You're, you, you've messed around with cameras. So I immediately Googled film school, and the first place that showed up was Motion Pictures Institute um, in Troy. And I noticed it was like a one-year program, and I was like, that's it. That's it. It's close. I don't really have to move too far away from my family. I can you know, find a, a, an immediate thing. And so I went, met a bunch of friends who are here. Like here, I didn't graduate with anybody from here, but we there's a lot of MPIers here. and. And you know everybody who kind of has that same passion and goal with film. I got on a whole bunch of film sets, like when we were in school and working on short films, learning how to write scripts. Um, it was a huge move for me, just because I was always a homebody. I was always needed to be close to my mom. But now they're starting to get to that point in their life where it's like, no, 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 we're gonna go down to Florida for six months out of the year, and you guys just fend for yourself. And I'm like, but I'm 28 and hungry. <laughs> Feed me or don't leave me. So, and then it was like, well, everybody's kind of in my family is doing their thing. Like all my older siblings are off and they're living their lives. Mom and dad are finally getting to that point where they can relax and not have to worry about us. And so I just said, Dad, I'm moving to Detroit. I can still do sales from Detroit, but I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to do the film school, because that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And he said, OK, that's fine. And, I, and I, he was like, do you need any help? I was like, nope, I'm going to pay for it all. And uh, he was like, oh, OK, go right ahead, as long as you're paying for it. And I graduated, met a whole bunch of people, made a short film, um, worked on a whole bunch of short films. 
first AD, a whole bunch of uh, you know short films. Worked on a few projects here and there, and that's kind of how I met Ian Benzman, um, and we gravitated towards each other, like minds again, and it was just it just clicked. We just knew what we needed to do or what he could utilize my skills for, and. Then I just was like, I love it here. And then I moved to Ferndale because I was kind of hopping around. My cousins live in Detroit. I was living in Royal Oak, and then I moved to Hamtramck, and it was just like I couldn't find my spot over here yet. And then I found Ferndale, and it was like, no, I know, I know where I need to be. I know where I need to be. And then it was great. I gotta say, the highlight of everything you just said is when you made the decision. I'm not going to be happy in this spot long term. Mm-hmm. And you said, you know what? I'm going to start doing some research. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to research what I love, what I what I think I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. And and I would I would bet dollars to donuts that if you went to school and you started doing films and you didn't like it, you would have started researching something <laughs> yeah. else and went after yeah. something else. Uh-huh. Because, you know, we can all pay the bills. Yeah. I, I could probably go and get a job at Ford Motor Company tomorrow, make a pretty good clip of money, mm-hmm. pay my bills. I would be freaking miserable. Yeah. Miserable mm-hmm. being a robot on a production line. It works for some people. Sure. It, people are stoked on it. Mm-hmm. I'm not that person. Right. I think that is huge, especially for our listeners. For you, the listener, that's huge. At 28 years old, deciding, you know what, I'm going to step away from this ready-made business where I could stay here my whole life and coast. Not necess- I'm not saying you would coast, no, yeah, but you could stay there, probably make a pretty good clip of money, yeah. have a pretty nice house, have the 2.5 kids, have the wife, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. And he decided, no. I, I'm not going to be happy, and and really, the goal of life is to you know juggle everything. But at the end of the day, you got to smile. Yeah, you have to smile. You have to enjoy what you're doing. Because if you don't, people know that. When you do, people know that. I'd like to bring on another guest, Kelsey. You know, um, you're you're in here, and and ladies and gentlemen, Kelsey is amazing. She makes sure this show goes smooth, and she's here. I told her I might bring her on. She wasn't really sure. She's rocking the shade. She's chilling. She keeps us all in check. How did you get into doing this stuff? Um. Okay. Well, similar to Corey's story, uh, I had graduated high school chilled for a few years, didn't really know what I wanted to do, bounced around doing little minuscule jobs here and there. I drove cars. I was a security guard. Wasn't happy doing any of it. I got a lot of different experience, but I just wasn't, it wasn't my thing. It wasn't my passion. So I ended up talking to some coworkers I had at the time. I was like, guys, I don't know what I want to do, but I need to get into music, or I need to get into movies, or I need to get into something, you know, entertainment and media related, because that's where I feel happiest at. So I went to Specs after I had looked around some Michigan schools. MP, I didn't come oh, yeah. up when I was searching because I was doing like broadcast sure. stuff. I figured radio mm-hmm. or news to start. So I went to school, did my year program, and I had a career advisor that was helping me out of Specs, like after I finished, get interviews or whatever. And I came here and met with Ian and um, somebody else that was working here at the time they both interviewed me anyways that went really well so they ended up calling me back and asking me to start and i've been here since the end of 2017 and see how rad is that how rad is that because everybody here everybody at nrm we're our family we are definitely a family but 
everybody has such the greatest things to say about you, Kels. Everybody I talk to, and you know how rad that is? Because again, decided I'm not happy where I'm at. I'm gonna do some research, figure out what it's gonna take for me to be stoked on living, stoked on what I do every day, not wake up every day and wanna just scream because I gotta go back and punch a clock. Mm -hmm. And and again, that is that is a lot of people dig that. A lot of people dig that. The people here at NRM, our family, are cut from a little bit of a different cloth. We really are. People are creative. They have ideas. We work well together. We hug here. That's how cool that is. That's why that one of the many reasons I'm super stoked to get to be here. And that's why I'm stoked to have you guys on yeah. with me today because the stories are exactly what the drop-in is. And it's about living with passion, figuring out what you love, and going and getting it. The doors that open are amazing that's the key if you take nothing else away from this show take away that when you live passionately doors open and you end up in places you couldn't even imagine i'm living proof of that Corey's living proof of that kelsey's living proof of that and that's what this show is about every single guest has said some version of exactly the same thing exactly the same thing. Now, Corey, you are a uh, co-host on Geektainment. We yep. just did the um, Comic-Con, and it was yeah. a huge success. You guys put in hours and hours of work, both of you guys. Uh -huh. And, you know, what's next for Geektainment, NRM? What's next? I know a lot of opportunities have come out we of We got that. a whole bunch of opportunities after Comic-Con. I mean, it was just, well, just the fact that we're, we... We made an impression at Comic Con that I think that they want us back. I'm not gonna speak for you know Ian and anybody else, but we made an impression to where we will probably be invited back and hopefully do it bigger and better next year, which is awesome because it was a great event. You were there. You were, you did a fantastic job doing Star Wars trivia. Check them out when when we post that one. Um, and then you know we started making contacts with a lot of great people. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to even say their names at this point because it's not really, really under, it's under the kind of like the radar a little bit, but we did. We made a lot of great contacts there. Um, and it's just kind of pushing forward now. And Ian's very happy. Andy's happy. I mean, everybody was just like exhausted after the fact of like just working their butts off at, at Comic Con. But. It, we we did something that like brought us closer together. We learned our mistakes. We became a tighter knit family, and we're just we're like you know I'm just seeing a lot better production value from like our shows now. A lot of people are just taking it like there's happier you know we're taking it more seriously to where it's like wow so that's what we can do when we put our minds to it and it was like re it's just big so got a whole bunch of slews projects a whole bunch i think me and ian want to do a feature now and just get all these other things so hopefully uh hopefully make it big in hollywood someday probably not i don't know <laughs> well you guys did some amazing stuff and i was very honored to be a part of it um when you asked me to MC a game show i was like yeah sure you know i, you I showed up in the suit that was great <laughs> well i figured game show hosts wear suits you know so I sort of was a cross between like maybe 
Pat Zajac meets Johnny Rotten right. kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I had a green shark skin suit on, and I just I made the most of it. Yep. I, I I engaged with the crowd. I engaged mm-hmm. with the audience. Uh, it, we just had a good time, yeah. and I I enjoyed it. So I hope we do get to do more of yeah. that because I the opportunities are limitless when it comes to film, when it comes to reaching out to the public, and also when it comes to broadcasting through these airwaves because so many people have access to the NRM website, the mm-hmm. NRM app on your phone. And, and each show brings something different. If you, uh, whatever you're into, like the Geektainment show, mm-hmm. if you are crazy, like these guys know, like what shoelaces Luke Skywalker <laughs> wore in episode two and a half that never got released, but only in Liechtenstein, and they know how many eyelets were on his shoes. Like I, that's way above my pay grade, but that's what they know. If that's your thing, Geektainment is your show. Here, it's about inspiration, motivation, and having a different style of guest every single show with one goal. And that's to inspire you, the viewer, to just make the most of your life. You know, with with Corey and Kelsey here today, it, it, it exactly exemplifies what the drop in is. You know, they both made decisions at a very influential time in their lives and decided the road they were on was not going to make them happy. They knew it. They knew it. They knew it. And so tried to, to test the waters in different ventures. And it, it, like I said with Corey, if that wouldn't have worked, I truly believe both of them would have said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to quit until I find out what works, mm-hmm. what I love, what I want to do, and what I can see me growing to be 100 years old doing and still being stoked on it after doing it 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And this kind of profession, as far as video, as far as broadcasting, the, the, the only limit is your imagination. It's true. Yeah, it's totally true. And I think the biggest thing for me was I was so afraid to start at such a later age. But then as it started getting going, I realized that didn't matter. You don't have to be young to be successful. You don't have to start young to start your career. You know, you can find it on later later down in life. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you're my age, 32 to 62. I, I know a couple of people actually who went to MPI who were in their 60s and 70s. It was like, it's I incredible. Will, I will give you the raddest statistic on the planet, and that is humans are most successful Write it down, between 40 and 60. So when I turned 40 and I was doing hand plants in, in uh, 12 foot deep pools, <laughs> people are like, oh, so you done now? You done? You're over the hill? And I said, no, I'm just getting excited, man, because yeah. I just got to the good part. <laughs> I just got to the good part. And the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. I'd, I'd been more successful in my life in the last three years, I believe, personally, and this is in my heart. This is outwardly. This is just living. I have been more successful in the last three years than I have my entire life. And so the statistics don't lie. That between 40 and 60, and you look at anybody, you look at Steve Jobs, you look at uh, even Warren Buffett, you look at these huge moguls that everybody knows, and they didn't hit their stride till mid-40s, mid-50s. It's there. Look it up. It's there. So no matter where you're at in your life, if you're 25, if you're 35, if you're 45, if you're not stoked on where you're at, start figuring it out how you can live a fired up life. Because going home every day after punching a clock and sitting on the couch and complaining about everything under the sun is not any kind of life I want to live. 
And so these awesome guests that I have here today exemplify that. Exemplify that. It is never too late or too early to start chasing your passion. Kels, you know, again, everybody here speaks so highly of you. You and I immediately hit it off mm-hmm. because we both grew up in the same area. Downriver. Yeah, yeah, we are downriver folks. And it, it is awesome. So, you know, here, you don't get to come on camera very much because no. you're always behind the glass. You're doing your thing. You're making everything happen. How does it feel to actually, I didn't want to embarrass you or nothing, but how does it feel to come on with us today? I uh, I really appreciate you bringing me onto your show. Uh, I agree. The first day that we met, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what it is about this guy, but I adore him. I absolutely adore <laughs> your energy and your passion and your drive. And I think more people should have that. Um, I was really nervous the first time I started here when the cameras would, I'd get asked a question or something. Well, what do you think about this random person over in the corner? And I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, don't look at me. But at some point you come to realize that if you're comfortable with what it is that you're doing, that that shows. So I just practice, practice, practice. That's all that anybody can do, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think authenticity, sincerity, you know, being honest makes it a lot easy. It makes it easy for me to be on camera yeah. because when I when I'm talking to ten thousand people or to five people, I'm fired up. I'm passionate. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I like what I'm talking about, and uh, and it, it it shows. You know, it definitely does. I try to put myself more in the moment too. You know, you don't really think about how many people will or won't be looking at you at that time. Right. You just you're in the conversation and you have it. Yeah, and it's real then. Yes, yeah, so. and and that's uh, many of our, our past guests on the drop-in. You know, we're only in episode eight here, but the the guests on the show, the, some of them have come in a little bit nervous because mm-hmm. it, it's a pretty intimidating place. It I is. mean, you walk right into the, the studio, oh, yeah. bright lights, big glass. There's all these people behind the glass, cameras moving, moving cameras, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And after like five minutes. You can see them just like be like, oh, it's just a conversation with Gerald. This <laughs> yeah. is pretty cool, you know? Yeah. And we have an hour-long conversation that thousands of people can tune into, hopefully millions at some point uh, can tune into, and it just ends up being a comfortable conversation. Yeah, totally. You know? Uh, for you, Corey, being a co-host on Geek Tainment, mm-hmm. you know you know what it is to do a show. You guys do an amazing show. I was a guest early on on the show, mm-hmm. and it was just, I was totally- You held your own. You held your own, dude. I like, was Fish out of water, man. You did, man. <laughs> well, I think that's the biggest thing that, like, I think what I gravitated towards you the most is that there's just so much positive energy that, like, you can't mm-hmm. sneak in any sort of negative in Gerald. He like, won't it's let like, it happen. He won't. No, it's like, it's like he extracts that away from like his life. Because I remember when we were skating, and you had to go like after we were like filming a little bit, and you're like. Uh, pipe busted in my house. I gotta go. And it was like, I was like, oh, dude, like, you know, but you were like, kind of, you weren't like down about it. I know you wanted to shred some more and get some more on film, but you're like, dude, sorry, I gotta go, you know, and, and, and t- but there was like a positivity of that. Like, you were like, it wasn't just a drag my feet, like, I'll fix it later. It was yeah. like, I got work to do. I gotta do this real quick and then I can come back. And then we came back like the next day and he was just, he was just up on the big half pipe over at Modern and just shredding. And Happiest I was just like, be all over and I was again. like, I was like, dude, how, how, you know, did you fix the pipe? And he was like, yeah, it was just a, like a quick little fix or whatever. And I was like, cool. And he was like, all right, I'm gonna head over to the bowl. Let's go. I was like, yeah, man. I 
like, totally forgot about the pipe breaking because <laughs> it was such a non-event. You know, yeah. like it, it could have been a big event, but and that's that's life. You it's know, life. It really, your perception of things uh, is everything. You yeah. know, if if you walk in this door, if I walked in this door every week and thought. Uh, I have to dress up. I need makeup. I need this. I need that. It would show through the camera mm-hmm. that I am something I'm not. Yeah. I, it would totally show. And I come in in the, clo- in the clothes I'm wearing, and I sit down at the mic, and we do a show. And the authenticity, the realness of it shows through because I've heard it from, from, from the uh, viewers. They messaged me. And when they meet me, they're like, dude, you're exactly like that when I meet you in person. Mm-hmm. You know, that isn't a joke or a, or a front or anything. Mm-hmm. You're that guy. Yeah. And that's what makes this show so fun. That's why I'm so honored to be here in the NRM studios with you guys and just having a conversation to inspire people. Yeah. Your story inspires people. Kelsey, your story inspires people. And you probably maybe even never thought of it on that level until this moment because it does. Folks watching this show might be working at 7-Eleven, or they might be working at the Big Three, or they might be working at freaking Walmart. They might be doing great, but they're not happy. And it doesn't pay to live your life miserable. It might pay the bills, but it will not pay. Internally, science is showing stress, anger, fear, collects in the body, causes physical ailments all over the freaking map. Happiness fixes that. Being passionate fixes that and that's what i think the biggest thing about this show is there's never a time in your life that you cannot shift gears to make it a better life for yourself right and i'm not saying take advantage of other people i'm not saying lie cheat and steal to get there i'm saying live passionately and 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 life ends up giving it right back to you tenfold. So, Corey, what's next, man? You guys are crushing it on Geektainment. Just did Comic-Con. You got so much going on right now. What is in the next six months uh, for Corey Stewart? Well, I'm hoping, you know, just uh, finding some more freelance jobs. So, you know, getting some weddings under my belt and doing those for videography. Um, Definitely going to buy a board soon (laughs) because I've been like, it's been so nice out that I just want to cruise. Just like, you know, nothing too crazy. Just want to cruise down the street. Um, working on getting some scripts done with Ian, scripts for myself, um, just kind of constantly keeping that creative flow going, um, and just hopefully killing summer, you know? Well, summer is crazy. You know, we, here in Michigan, the sun just started coming out. And these last few weekends, we've had some sketchy weather. We've gotten record rain, record rain. I mean, the Detroit River is coming up over the piers in Wyandotte. It's coming up onto the sidewalk. We have gotten record rain, which is great for the shipping industry because they can load their boats a little heavier and get more done. So it is really good for the shipping industry. But for us here, man, I, I, I've been cutting my mom's grass and doing different things. Been growing you know? like every every day, just constantly. Uh, just <laughs> Seriously, it's been out of control. But the sun is shining. The sun is shining. We have new skate parks going up everywhere. People are getting outside. Sunshine is always good. Soaking up vitamin D. It promotes positivity. Being outside, talking to your neighbors. It's it's a good time to be in Michigan right now. And, and I love it. I 
I, I truly love the sunshine. I'm outside all the time, as much as possible. Yeah. Either riding my skateboard, hanging out with the neighbors, helping people, doing whatever I can do right. to be outside in the sun. How could you not, like, after our winter, like, just want to be outside constantly when it's, like, 70 degrees and sunny? Or, like, you know, even 80 degrees and sunny. Like, get outside. Yeah, and you folks in Southern California, you get that all the time. In Michigan, we get four seasons, and sometimes the joke is we get four seasons in one week. You might get a foot of snow. <laughs> <laughs> and it might be 70 in two days. Mm-hmm. Then it might get rainy. You just never know. But we're working into the sunshine. And the sunshine always brings out, I think, oh, yeah. brings out the best in people. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and it just shows throughout every community around our area. For me, it's skateboarding. You know, mm-hmm. to be able to get outside, go ride our skateboards. I actually emceed an event for Plus Skateboard Shop on Friday at Farmington Hills um, Riley Skate Park. And it was so rad to see that many people out at 6 o'clock on a Friday night for yeah. an event. And they it was a great time. Everybody had fun. Everybody was uh, ripping. And it's just, again, getting outside, enjoying the sunshine, enjoying the camaraderie, being around others. We have great beaches around here. Being around that. The mm-hmm. sun does some amazing stuff. And now, Kels, with you, um, uh, what do you got the next six months? I mean, you are growing with this company, mm-hmm. and the company is growing amazingly, yeah. which means your duties continue to pile up, I'm sure. Um I think you wear a few different hats around here. Sometimes, depending on what's necessary. Yeah, but what what do you see in the next six months uh, going on around here? Um, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can. I'm here every day. Stuff's always changing with technology. I mean, you look at our phones the past 10 years. So imagine that with our computers. So uh, to stay up on top of that would be great. And also, like Corey said, I'm looking forward to our next big events because mm-hmm. I know that we're we're gonna end up doing something else. We know that we can now. Yeah. So I just want to be ready and prepared as much as I can for when that comes along. Right on. And yeah. it, and again, we go back to the. I'm going back to the positivity because when I walk in the door and I come in, you know, and I'm usually pretty bopping around mm-hmm. and it happening. But uh, you know, you always greet with a, greet me with a smile and a hug, and I love that. I love that. I look forward to it. And if you're not here, which you haven't been a couple of times when I get here, there's like something missing. Like, where's Kelsey? Yeah, you know, and, and, and because I look forward to it. I appreciate it, that. It, it's important to me. And with you, Corey, I think there's there's a lot we're gonna do together. Yeah. You know, I I'm looking I, forward to it. I made a TV show in 2007 mm-hmm. called Underground Valley, and I'd like to investigate maybe doing more of that if it's through YouTube or through whatever. Yeah. But we I had a good time doing that, and everything I've done since then is an offshoot of that. Sure. That's what started the motivational machine that I am building, that I have built, and that continues to grow, especially with this show. This show continues to grow every week. We are are reaching a wider audience, and hopefully this wider audience is getting fired up. This show in particular, I think, could hit it hard with the 20 to 30-year-olds who realize what they're doing isn't necessarily what they were made to do. And I'm not saying you're made to sit in your basement and do nothing and things are just going to come to you. I'm not talking about going and buying a lottery ticket and hoping and praying that you'll win the lottery. I'm talking about figuring out what you're passionate about and figuring how you can make a living doing it, a comfortable living. I am a a 14-year-old. 
I really am. Like, I'm in this body, and I take care of my adult responsibilities, but I'm still freaking 14. And that is freaking rad, and every single one of you can do the exact same thing. I've told my mom that for years. I never thought I was special. I still don't. I think anybody can do what I do. You just have to put your mind to it and realize what that thing is. My thing is inspiring people. That's my thing. Through my actions, through my words, through everything I do, I just want to motivate people to take Take advantage of this life because we're not guaranteed tomorrow and we're not guaranteed five minutes, but we are guaranteed to be in control of ourselves. You have that guarantee. You can control what you do, how you think, how you feel. If you don't like it, you can change it. And so with this show, I really do think it's going to hit. Uh, it's going to hit a chord with those people who realize, damn. I'm a lot like Corey or I'm a lot like Kelsey. Like, I'm not happy with where I'm at. I'm going to figure out what I can do to get there. And, and you don't – sometimes you do mortgage the farm, but oftentimes it's putting in the extra work. Like sure. you said, Corey, yeah. you're working sales, but you're, you're going to school at night. Yep. Or, or you're working – for me, it was either hardwood floors or working in the print industry. And I used to uh, schedule my vacation time around pro events. So I would fly out <laughs> because I didn't make enough money being a pro skateboarder. I would work a nine-to-five, fly out skate an event, sign autographs all weekend like a rock star, fly home Sunday night and punch clock Monday morning. Yeah. You know, you do what you have to do to get to where you know you need to be. Yeah. And your story exemplifies that. Kelsey, your story exemplifies that. And for you, the, the viewer, take note. If you're stoked where you're at, rock and roll. If you're not, you can make changes. Corey, Kelsey are perfect examples of that. So take some notes. Corey, you got any closing comments for our awesome viewers man, here, man? I just, yeah, just do what you want to do, what makes you happy. Find yourself. Find your inner self. If it goes back to reverting back to being a child and, like, that's what you were happy doing. Because I now collect action figures, and that makes me happy. And it's like, I don't care what anybody else says. And you can afford those action figures. And I can figures, afford man. those action Yay. figures. And when you find what you really want to do in life, for the rest of your life, for just for that time that makes you happy, it doesn't feel like work. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. It's never work. No. When, you, when, you're, when you're doing what you're passionate about, mm -hmm. you know, there was a time in my life when skateboarding seemed like work. I was a pro skateboarder for about a year, yeah. and it seemed like every time I stepped out, I had to perform. And I know that's what I signed up for. When sure. my name gets on the board, you got to sign up for that. Mm -hmm. But in my head, it felt like that. It wasn't fun anymore. And I was, I was going to quit. I'm like, I'm going to quit this because when I walk out the door, I want to go skate. And instead, I got this group of people who are going to watch me. And I have to perform. I have to do this because that's what they expect. And blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And, and it, 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 it was a tough time. But got past it. And now I can go out and do frontside grinds all day, and it don't matter. It don't or matter. I can do hand plants, <laughs> or I can do. It doesn't really matter. It's it's exactly what it was when I started when I was 11. Right. What you said is what skateboarding is still to me. You could tell me that I'm gonna die tomorrow. I could go ride my skateboard, and for that hour, that two hours, that three hours, I don't think about what you just told me. Right. I am, it's like meditating. Mm -hmm. it, it's, I'm focused. I'm having fun. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm working some things out in my life, or I'm just having a good time with the boys. And when you can find something like that in your life, you are blessed. And both of you are blessed because you've found that. There's something about 
there's something about getting a freshly paved like parking lot or like street like just asphalt beautifully like done grabbing your board and just pushing and not having to push again until like halfway down the street mm -hmm. it's Beautiful meditation. That's like the things I used to live for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My cousin calls me all the time from Fife Lake, and he talks about when we did that when we were like 14, like at the Southgate Shopping Center, that they had just blacktopped it. And he's like, dude, do you remember that day? And I, I honestly, Jim, I don't remember that day, but he does. And he'll never forget it. And and so it, it's, it, it is. It yeah. is like meditation. Mm -hmm. There, anything that you single-mindedly you know, do, like for me, artwork is like meditation. Mm -hmm. I can sit down and draw, and I think of nothing but the drawing. It's meditation. If you can find anything like that in your life, hold on to it. Hold on to it. I don't care if it's knitting socks. I don't care what it is. But if it, if you single-mindedly can focus on one thing, doesn't matter what it is. Hold on to that for the rest of your life. And if you if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and you're thinking right now, man, I used to love playing marbles. Go get a bag of marbles. You know, or if you think I used to love uh, coloring, go buy a coloring book. Any of those things, go do it because it's never too late. I just read an article about a 55-year-old lady who had never ridden a bike, and her therapist said, well, "Let's go buy a bike." And she's like, "I'm 55 years old." And he, he said, "Let's go buy a bike." Yeah. You said you you never learned how to ride a bike yeah. when you were a kid. Let's go buy one. Yeah. And they did, and she was like a little kid again. And she learned how to ride a bike. That's it, awesome. It's like kick the can, man. If yeah. you ever have heard of the kick the can episode in Twilight Zone, my favorite episode, my favorite episode of all time. You can find it in the old Twilight Zone. You can find it in the Twilight Zone movie that came out in the '80s, I think. But a, a gentleman shows up to an old folks' home. And he brings this can. It's an old 50s game called Kick the Can. And the, the guy running the place tries to chase him out. Totally tries to chase him out. And instead, uh, he gets all these old folks in the middle of the night to go out and play Kick the Can. And when they go out to play... They all turn into little kids, and oh. they run away. From, oh, I and think they, I remember and that And they episode. run away from the old folks' home. My life, that ramp at Modern, the new skate parks are like my kick the can. And so find your kick the can and just enjoy it, man. Enjoy it. Uh, I want to thank you, Corey, for coming on. Thank you. Kels, thank, thank you, you very much. And, and thank you, the viewer, because this show is for you. So get fired up on life. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. That's what I'm going to do. And I will see you next week, next week here on The Drop-In.